Episode 3, Business Arrangements. And they make you think that... Sorry, I'm getting kind of emotional. They make you think that you're, like, their property. Paulina was in a pretty vulnerable headspace when we first met in 2019. That day in the cafe, she had recently left her community. And as she told me about her life, she said her family had arranged for her to be married. But she insisted that she had felt functionally auctioned off. They, like, basically say, like, it's dowry, but it's not. Um, They pay for you, and then once you're officially married, they always use it against you. They say, we own you. We bought you. Over time, she'd tell me the whole complicated story of her marriage. And I'd come to find out it didn't exactly unfold in the way I'd imagined a quote-unquote arranged marriage would. In fact, as Paulina remembers it, everything started one night, years ago, when she was over at a cousin's house and their families were partying late. Or at least their fathers were. Our mothers were in the back you know, room sleeping, and they were like, just serve and entertain on your fathers. Paulina said it was up to the kids, her and her cousin Bobby, to keep the party going. So we had to stay up all night and sing and dance and serve them beer. Bobby and Paulina were the de facto DJs. We were downloading music on LimeWire, right? (laughs) If you guys remember what that was. After hours of volleying from Romney music to hip-hop to NSYNC to Michael Jackson, the party finally wound down. And Paulina and Bobby found themselves sort of tucked away from the commotion. And he looked at me and he's like, listen, he's like, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, what? And he's like, we always knew each other our whole lives. It would make her parents so happy. Why don't we just get married? So in their own little way, Paulina and Bobby were kind of, sort of, engaged. Or like, as engaged as you can be at 12. During that trip, we like walked around his neighborhood or his house and we had our first kiss and I was like, oh my God, like, that was my first kiss ever. (laughs) This is Foretold. Paulina was pulled out of school to prepare her for the inevitable, a life of cooking, breeding fortunes, and marrying a Romney boy. Ideally, one boy in particular, Bobby. How we met, I mean, we didn't even meet, you know what I mean? We were just, I don't know. (laughs) Paulina and Bobby were predestined in the truest sense of the word. Even before the LimeWire night, there was another origin story that began before Paulina was even born. Paulina said her mom and dad were young when they married, just 17 and 18 years old. And soon after their wedding, they went to stay for a while with some old family friends, relatives, in fact, John Paul and Ruby Stevens. And they were really close, like even closer than most gypsies are. 
They were all about the same age. And when they were newly married, Paulina's parents basically moved in with John, Paul, and Ruby. They lived with them, I believe, for over a year. They were two couples, all in their late teens or early 20s, just starting to figure out who they were. And they were all hanging out with each other, and they would go to the beach together. Like, it was a fun time, like these two newly married couples. John, Paul, and Ruby weren't only newly married. They were also new parents. They had Bobby at the time. He was a couple of months old. So during this time, they were all together, the two sets of couples and a little baby. And then one day, Paulina's mom felt a little off. My mom had a cold. They all went to the doctor together. And she's like, I think I have a flu or something. And the doctor comes back and he's like, you're pregnant. And, you know, both of the boys were there, my dad and and John Paul and Ruby and my mom. And it was like, what? Like, I'm pregnant. Like, it was just this crazy shock. And right then and there, they said, if you're having a girl, my son is going to get married to your daughter. Growing up, I've heard this story like hundreds of times from my dad and, and John Paul. Like, my mom tells the story. It's just, I always heard it. And so I almost feel like even before I was born, I was like conditioned into like feeling or thinking that I had to marry Bobby. Paulina would hear this origin story over and over again because the family stayed close, even when they moved apart. Bobby and his parents often visited Paulina's family in Morro Bay. And Paulina has countless memories of driving five hours south to visit Bobby's family. We'd stay there for weeks and spend the night and just party and, you know, do everything together. And Bobby's family in Southern California Romney circles is kind of legendary. The name they would be called by their family members would be the greatest people in the world. Because <laughs> they just acted like they were the greatest people in the world. And so they would like sarcastically be like, okay, we have to go to the greatest people in the world's house. Because they always wanted the parties at their house. And they would always try to be in charge of everything. Whenever there was a birthday, a wedding, a funeral, the party always passed through John Paul and Ruby's house. They called that house like the train station. So there'd be just gypsies in and out, in and out, dancing, singing. Family members rolled through the train station day and night, celebrating with good food, music, drinks. And the host of every gathering was Bobby's mom, Ruby. She was like the matriarch of the family, for sure. I've never met Ruby, but I've seen pictures of her. And she's got dark hair, cheerful round cheeks, and a small, tight smile. Her eyes are beautiful blue-green. Paulina really admired her. She was like an aunt to me or even a second mom. People would talk about her and be like, oh, you know, she holds the family together. So I viewed her as a very strong person since childhood. But Paulina had also grown up seeing a tender side of Ruby. I was also very close to her. We'd sleep in the same bed, you know, for weeks. We'd watch movies together. And Paulina said Ruby was fully on board with this idea that her prized oldest son would marry Paulina. Every time we would go there, they were mentioning it. So the women would mention it. The men would mention it. It's something I'd hear constantly. There was never a visit that go by and they wouldn't say that. Bobby and I 
We didn't really take it that seriously. Because growing up, Paulina and Bobby felt more like siblings. We'd play video games together. And on top of that, he would even tell me, like, oh, this is the girl I'm dating or whatever. We were really bonded to each other in ways that a brother and sister would be. And I used to say that. I used to say, like, oh, I could never marry him. Like, he's like my bro. So why were their families holding out for Bobby and Paulina? Well, they checked the boxes that a traditional Romani family might look for when setting up their kids. For one, the two families were already close. Check. They were in the same ethnic subgroup, the Machuaya. Check. The fact that Bobby and Paulina were extended cousins, it's somewhat common among Romani couples in the U.S. Paulina and Bobby even had the same last name. I was Stevens. He was Stevens. Like, we were both a part of the same group. He was the oldest. I was the oldest. He had two younger brothers. I had two younger sisters. Like, it was just, we related to each other in that way. We both came from the same culture, except his family. He came from money, and we didn't, and I didn't. There was a notable class divide between Bobby and Paulina, which is interesting because both families made their money the same way. Fortune-telling. It's just that Bobby's family ran a bigger shop in a bigger town. They had one of the most prominent psychic shops in Orange County. But Bobby didn't seem spoiled or anything. In fact, quite the opposite. Because at a young age, he was just in charge of so many things. Like, he had to drive even when he didn't have, like, a license to pick up his grandmother's medicines or he had to pay bills or he had to take care of his family's affairs. Um, He just did things that the other boys my age, even in the culture, didn't do. So as Paulina grew older, she started to appreciate Bobby's dependability. And she started to notice him a little differently. I would describe him as someone who was responsible as a kid, right? Because that's when I started viewing him as like, oh, potentially like a partner around 13, right, 12. Maybe it was the years of hearing everyone say they were perfect for each other. Or maybe she was developing a crush. I mean, Bobby was charming. He was very creative. So that was one thing, like he would always like play guitar. And he had these clear blue eyes, sort of like his mom's. The family even nicknamed him Bobby Blue Eyes. He was fun and sweet. And Paulina said that sometimes during bustling parties at the train station, he'd serenade her. Like he would like play songs for me and stuff. It was, it was sweet, you know, in the beginning. Like we were both just so young. So by the time she was 12, it had been a long ramp up to the LimeWire night. But Bobby's proposition still took Paulina by surprise. It was maybe like three in the morning, four in the morning. We were both exhausted. Bobby was suggesting he and Paulina get married. And it felt very like intimate in that moment. (sighs) You know, he was like leaning up next to me and I was super young and I was like, You know, I'm barely in the same room as, like, boys, you know? He was almost one of the only boys that I dealt with. So it was intimate for me. 
And I was like, just kind of shocked. I didn't really know what to say. I was like, I guess. But it kind of felt like a proposal, I guess. But as you'll hear, this is not really how official proposals go in Romani families. This little agreement on the LimeWire night was just between them. This quiet moment they had carved out for themselves. Not really sure of what they had agreed to, but sure they couldn't tell their parents yet. So after the sun rose and the LimeWire music faded away, Paulina knew she would have to head back to Morro Bay with her parents, while Bobby would stay at the train station. She didn't know how they'd keep in touch, because, you know, they were like 12 and they didn't have phones. And so whatever came next felt daunting and dramatic. The next morning, before Paulina left, they had a very serious discussion about it over a game of Grand Theft Auto. He said to me, he looked at me and he's like, so now you're just going to leave me and go back to Morro Bay and I'll never hear from you again. And I was like, yeah, probably. Like, I don't have a phone. And he said, he was like, just find a way, like, just call me. And so I ended up just calling him from the house phone. Which was sort of risky. Because if you ever lived with a landline, you know that your parents could pick up and listen to you at any time. And Paulina did not want her parents to hear her talking to Bobby. Even though they had basically been set up as children, Paulina said she and Bobby had to keep their phone calls and messages on the DL. Because if we got caught, it was, like, bad. That's the contradicting thing about it, is your parents want you to get married to someone, but they don't want you to talk to them or they don't want you to meet them. Paulina said this was a contradictory message she heard a lot as a kid. You need to get married. But also, don't go talking to boys. And so anytime we would talk or meet, it was more exciting because relationships and dates in general were so taboo. When Paulina's parents inevitably found out about her budding romance with Bobby, their response was, well, let's just say it was nuanced, especially her dad's. He was like devastated, but he's like, I know I pushed you to do this. Like, I want you to get married. Like, I'm supposed to feel ashamed and also supposed to feel like this is what my dad wants for me and has been nagging for this to happen. He's like, well, this is what I wanted, but I'm sad that my little girl is like getting married at the same time. Paulina said that Bobby's family, on the other hand, was thrilled. They're talking to each other like, let's just figure this out and make it work and like do it ASAP. (laughs) To celebrate, the two families threw a party called a swato, which translates to a word. Like, swato is the word for word. It's basically a huge party before the official engagement party. Because, as you'll hear, there are about to be lots of parties on the road to official marriage. In the Swato, Bobby's family asks Paulina's family for her hand in marriage. Like, they give her family their word. Get it? So it's not the engagement. It's the promise of the engagement. Paulina was 14 during her Swato. And Bobby's family lavished her with expensive presents. Like, they give me jewelry, they buy me gifts, and they say, like, we officially want you to marry our son. And my family then has to say, we open our door to you. Like, we accept your request. Paulina remembers getting a Tiffany's necklace with a locket in the shape of a heart. And this locket, in fact, had a key. But the key to the locket did not go to Bobby. 
So who held the key? She said it was Bobby's mom, Ruby. That should have been the first warning that something was off, but it wouldn't be the last. That's after the break. I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, pretty much every time I had a crush, I was certain that I was going to marry them. No one else really took it that seriously, though. I cannot imagine what it would have been like if my parents had been like, yes, okay, go for it, marry them. But in Romani culture, marriage between young people is a serious matter. It's not just the union of two people, but the coming together of two families. For centuries, Romani marriages have worked to keep certain subgroups together. Machuaya with Machuaya, Kaldarosh with Kaldarosh. And that, in turn, helps keep traditions among these subgroups intact. It preserves families. Your son with his daughter or your daughter with his son, that is to unite the families. Our expert, Professor Ian Hancock. Marriages are big deals. They are not love matches in the Western way. They are kind of business arrangements. When Professor Hancock says business arrangements, he means that literally. Because traditionally, the daughter-in-law is expected to go work for her new family in their business, sometimes as a fortune teller. So these marriages, they're a wedding and a merger and a hire all in one. And everyone knows it. Generally, I mean, you grow up expecting this be the case. You understand from when you're tiny that the day will come when you will get married off and join a different family. But Professor Hancock made the point that marriage is a mutual arrangement. Although uh, it's true that the girls can, they can resist. They can say, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't like him. He looks funny. Um. (laughs) And Paulina somewhat agrees with that assessment. At least she did at the beginning when she and Bobby first got together. She said she considers it an arranged marriage, but it wasn't totally forced on her either. That's why I don't call it like a forced marriage. Like I did, we did want to be with each other. I, I did have feelings, you know, it's not like I didn't not have feelings and it was all about, oh, just getting married. Like we did like each other, but... It was easier because we were friends first. The thing that Paulina has a hard time with is the age thing. Because at the time that her engagement was really ramping up, Paulina was only 15 years old, which is honestly fairly typical in some Romani circles. How do you bring somebody that's 13, 14 years old as a bride in the church without even a legal marriage certificate? This is Dodo Moisey. He's the pastor of an evangelical Romani church in Riverside, California, and he's a part of an international effort to raise the minimum marrying age for Romani brides. They put so much influence on girls being virgin and tradition, but they pull the young girls out of education. They don't send them to school no more because they want to marry her off. So we had a conference specifically on this topic There have been efforts among different Romani groups to raise the minimum age of marriage. 
The specific conference Pastor Moisey is talking about was held in Romania back in 2014. And the results of that conference was that we as religious workers will not perform any weddings, any blessings of any couple that the girl is younger than 16 years old. And that 16-year-old was a big compromise. I was going to say, that's still pretty young. Are you kidding me? Everybody was pushing 14. We tried 18. Yeah. And we had around 16. Now, Romani people are not the only ones doing this. California is one of the few states where it is legal to marry if you're under 18, as long as you have parental consent and a judge's stamp of approval. But it really didn't matter what the legal standing was in the state of California. Paulina and Bobby would never technically get married under U.S. law. It's pretty common that there is no legal marriage in our community, especially American gypsies. According to the Harvard study, 22% of Romani-American interviewees stated that no one in their family has a marriage certificate. A lot of Romani marriages are kept outside the American legal system and kept inside the community. These marriages are, in fact, all about community. I would tell them, yeah, like, I'm too young or I don't want to do this. And then I would hear things back like, we don't have to move forward with it, but you'll be disappointing a lot of people. And it was about pride. Like, this is your father's pride. And what are you going to do? Live on your own? Like, you have to get married someday. So to a certain extent, I felt like I had a choice. But if I chose another way, um, it would just be suffering. The machine was in motion. The families were going back and forth over when the wedding would be and discussing venues and details, while Paulina and Bobby's actual relationship took a back seat. Over the years it took to get to the wedding, Bobby and Paulina were still living in different cities, and they were each growing up and growing apart. And I was having so much fun with all my cousins. I was like, we were going out and there were street races and fake IDs. Paulina and Bobby were developing their own interests, their own worlds, their own ideas of themselves. And though they were planning a wedding, Paulina said she was hearing rumors that Bobby was messing around with other girls. He said something or did something and girls were like calling me and I was like, I don't want to get married anymore. Like, it's so stupid. And this is Paulina's side of the story, obviously. I tried really hard to get Bobby's point of view for this. I even met him once. Back in 2021. What just happened? We rang the doorbell. Bobby came to the door. He's like 26 or so. um, Which is my age. I went to Bobby's door with senior producer Asal Asanapur just to try to talk to him. He wasn't interested, but he was super calm and cordial. I'd say even polite, as he turned us away. And Assault can verify, they call him Bobby Blue Eyes for a reason. They're like piercing. His eyes are so blue. They are very, very blue. So I can't get you Bobby's perspective in his own words. But for what it's worth, I can understand it. I mean, imagine being a teenager and being told that you can't flirt or hook up with anyone because you have to marry a cousin who lives in another city. 
And as much as Paulina gets upset, she can understand it too. As much as I was wanting, you know, for our relationship to be completely monogamous, I also really didn't expect it from him. Even at that time, I knew that it was hard for him. Like, I knew that there was still more he wanted to explore in his life. Like, I had essentially locked him down at, like, 12 or 13. Like, you know what I'm saying? Now that I'm older, you know, I'm past that, and I realize that how could he have been anything better than what he was? Like, he was a kid. Part of me just felt like he wanted to make his family happy. And a part of me felt like I just wanted to make my family happy. Paulina and Bobby's relationship was no longer that sweet little kid crush. Slowly, their perfect pairing was starting to unravel. And Paulina's destiny wasn't looking so perfect anymore. I had doubts all the time. But I was more of thinking about maybe this could get better. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what was going through my mind. It was like just convincing myself that I had made the right choice. Did you tell anyone those doubts? Yeah, I I did. My, like, boy cousins were kind of like my brothers. And so we were going clubbing. Like, I was having, like, a blast. And I was like, I don't need it. You know, like, I don't need to get married. So one of my cousins like drove me out somewhere in LA and he's like let's just talk you know and we were talking and we I think we went to this like weird club somewhere in the valley and it was like we were just laughing like how the fuck did we get here and he's like if you really don't want to you know move forward with the marriage like I'll go tell Bobby right now It really didn't come down to my decision or, like, wanting to get married or wanting to start my life. Like, it really came down to needing to make my parents happy. And I was like, I guess I'll just do it, whatever. Like, fuck it. Like, let me just, I'll just get married. Paulina said she pushed down her doubts. She did what was expected of her. Going along with what everyone said was a match written in the stars. And so when Paulina was 16, she and Bobby had their tumyala. In American terms, it would just be an engagement party. This one is the actual engagement party. The previous party, the Swato, was just the promise of the engagement. But the tumyala is like an engagement party crossed with a wedding and a quinceanera all in one. I've seen pictures and it's incredible. Paulina's tumyala had dozens of people gathered in a hotel ballroom. Very big ballroom, yellow lighting. Everything is gold themed. A seven-tier cake decorated with gold bows. Gold satin seat covers around every banquet table. The men and their family are in gold ties and pocket squares. And the women are in gold floor-length gowns. People are dressed to the nines, very long dresses. You can see the women wearing these long headscarves. Then Paulina makes her dramatic entrance, looking stunning. 
She's wearing a cream-colored gown that's intricately embroidered and glittering with sequins, all the way down to the feather fringe that dusts the floor. She's dripping in jewelry. Her hair is done up like a beehive with a white feathery hairpiece clipped to the back, and she's wearing glossy red lipstick. She looks like a movie star. By the time I walked in, I was like feeling great, you know? (laughs) Bobby is spiffy in a blue suit that matches his eyes. I can't get over how young he looks. He's 17, but could pass for 14. He and Paulina mingle and pose and smile for pictures with almost every member of their families. Everyone, except with each other. They're posing separately because the couple is not allowed to really be seen talking to each other until they're married. But Bobby and Paulina wanted to do things at least a little differently. So while I was getting my hair done, he came to my hotel room and, like, brought me an engagement ring and said, will you marry me, like, as a joke. A joke, because according to Paulina, this is so not the traditional Romney way to get engaged. Like, at all. And we kind of wanted to, like, incorporate American tradition, but it, it really had nothing to do with our tradition. Because Paulina's tradition is not between two people. It's between two families. That's the whole point of this massive engagement blowout. There's this big moment when the two families come together to negotiate a dowry. A dozen or so men from each side of the family sit on opposite sides of a long table. And there ensues this kind of charade of negotiation. Like, they're there to talk business. But really, there's lots of laughing and ribbing each other. A crowd gathers behind them, cheering them on. Honestly, the men just sit there and joke for hours. And so they're like, we want 100,000. So the whole thing is just a big joke. There's plenty of drinks to go around. One family side offers an amount. The other side comes back with a different number. My dad would be like, oh, you know, I want, yeah, 100,000, 200,000. And then they would say, we'll give you a dollar, you know? It's just this funny thing that would go back and forth, and then they would talk about, well, you know, um, what if she doesn't bring me coffee? Both sides planned the shtick for hours. And I say shtick because it is sort of a performance-like ritual. Sometimes it includes things like a fancy car. But Paulina's dowry didn't have any of that. She says it was just money. I think it was like 4800 And with that, Paulina's dowry was set. Or at least, that's how it sounds to me. This is where journalists misinterpret what it is. Gypsies sell their daughters. Well, you're not selling your daughter. It's a dowry. Professor Hancock again. The amount is explained as, well, you are taking away my daughter. My daughter's incredible. And if I lose her to you, I am losing a lot of income because now she will be working a source of income for you, not for me. And so you have to show that you recognize her value. I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to pass judgment. I'm trying to understand and like I guess it would it would feel kind of strange to have someone give money to have me marry their son. Even if it were a dowry to help you buy a new kitchen set and a 
new set of furniture for your new home? Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, you're seeing it as like an investment, basically? Of course. Hmm. The way Professor Hancock put it, it's like a wedding present, a big initial investment in the couple. And arguably, American weddings have the same thing. It's just done through the elaborate ordeal of the wedding registry or the wedding shower. I'm not saying all weddings are the same. I'm just trying to say that many cultures' weddings are also full of elaborate rituals that are subtly about ownership and money and finances. It's just that Romani wedding rituals really come out and say it. You have to wear a coin that signifies you are now the property of the family that you're getting married to. After the dowry was negotiated and agreed upon, Paulina was given a gold coin necklace on a thick gold chain that she wore around her neck. So it's the ceremony where they put this coin of ownership on you. And you still get to go back with your family, but like you go back with the coin. So now whenever you go to a public party or a birthday engagement, like anywhere where there'll be other gypsies, you have to wear the coin. The gold coin necklace showed everyone, their families, their communities, that Paulina was officially pledged to marry Bobby. But unofficially, Paulina was still having doubts. She was still hearing stories that Bobby might have a wandering eye. And I said that I don't want to do this anymore, and I'm done. Paulina decided to call the whole thing off. I think I told Bobby, too, over the phone. I was like, hey, we're done. Don't call me anymore. I'm telling my parents no. I'll always love you as a friend or as a brother, but I just don't think we're a good match for each other. And I, like, hung up the phone and turned it off, and I felt good about it. Like, I wasn't going through, like, massive heartbreak or anything. I'm trying to consider this from Paulina's parents' perspective. I mean, they just celebrated with two massive parties, arranged a whole dowry— By the way, Paulina said they gave the dowry back to her and Bobby in order to give them a start in their marriage. So her parents genuinely wanted to support their daughter. They probably thought this marriage would be good for her long-term future. They didn't want to just change plans all of a sudden. My dad couldn't talk to me directly about it because that was considered disrespectful. So he would have to, like, relay messages through my mom. I think my mom got how I was feeling. And... (laughs) Then she called Ruby, Bobby's mom, and the very next weekend, I believe, his parents came to our house. And he came, and they wanted to, like, talk it out and stuff. So, like, I would normally have to, like, serve them coffee and cook and put on this little show, right? And I didn't do that the first two days. I didn't really care. I was like, whatever. I was like playing my PlayStation (laughs) and just doing my thing. My mom and Ruby, I felt like they asked me so many times during that visit, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? And they wouldn't stop asking me until I said, no, I'm not sure. I guess we'll just be together. So then at the end of the visit, like it ended up being me just giving in and being like, okay, I guess, you know, and that's kind of what they do. Like the parents just get together and try to mend everything back. 
Paulina and Bobby's parents teamed up to save the engagement. And this time, they hoped they could keep them together in time for the wedding. That's after the break. Five years after the LimeWire night, five years of secret courtship, of public announcements, of lavish parties, of doubts and reconciliation, finally, it was their wedding day. Paulina and Bobby were now 17 and 18 years old, respectively, on October 28, 2012. There are no written invitations. It's mostly just phone call. They tell you the address over the phone and the dates, the hotel, There's families, and and there's kids, and then there are parents, too, and just everybody. Hundreds of family, friends, and total strangers arrive. They invite people all over the world. Paulina said they lost count after 500 people, all in the same hotel. We will rent out, like, a whole floor. Everyone's rooms are connected, and so everyone opens their doors, and we just go from room to room, like, visiting everyone, bringing them appetizers, By, like, one in the afternoon, everyone's drunk already. There's music, playing instruments. Everyone's bringing their Bluetooth speakers or, you know, putting their phones on. Like, it's a party. All the girls are getting ready on the left side. All the men are, like, getting ready on the right side. It's all a big, continuous party leading up to the main event in the hotel ballroom. It officially starts with Paulina's first dress of the night, the walk-in dress. So a walk-in dress is the dress that the parents walk their daughter in, and it's not really the wedding dress. It's kind of your last chance to, like, dress as a bachelor. Paulina's dress was custom-made, covered from head to toe in crystals. The dress is, like, super heavy. I think it's, like, 40 pounds or something. Paulina and her family make their grand entrance. All the girl's family has to, like, walk the girl in. As is the custom in the Machuaya subgroup, many of the female guests come wearing their wedding dresses, too. Long white veils, glittering jewelry, the whole shebang. So, like, we all walk in and, like, they instantly put on this gypsy music. Out of respect, the groom's family has to bring the bride's parents' alcohol or your drinks, like, as soon as they walk in. And it's really loud, and then you're just dancing. I have to go and dance with everyone. Like, I have to dance with my family first is the most important because I'm wearing my dress, and once I'm done with dancing with every family member, so that's every cousin, every aunt, every uncle, every grandparent, then I have to dance with the groom's family, too. And then after midnight, you have to change everything, your hair stuff, your bobby pins, your underwear, all of it. This outfit change is to signify she's part of the groom's family now. Out with the old, in with the new. After years of waiting, with this change of dress, Paulina and Bobby's union is sealed. Paulina shows this with her second dress, another big white gown. But this one has a heavy silver crown with the cascading veil, which she proceeds to party super hard in. I think around like three in the morning, the hotel staff is like shutting the lights off and getting mad at everybody. 
and everyone's just now dancing and drinking in the hallways. Like, some people were just drinking all night. And this is just the first of three days. After the first day of the wedding, like, you're technically considered married, but you're not allowed to, like, sleep in the same room until the second day. So the first day of the wedding, after midnight, the boy and the girl go into either like a limo. We actually had a horse and carriage. And we go with these other couples like out to eat like a Denny's or something. Ah, I love that they took a horse and carriage to a Denny's. Honestly, Paulina said it was a super fun night. Because, I mean, what's better than ending a late night party with some good greasy food? But it's not like they could be decadent and sleep in. Paulina and Bobby had to wake up bright and early the next day for a special coffee tradition. Bobby and I are serving the coffee to everyone. Everyone, meaning the men. So there's, you know, hundreds of men lined up on this long table. And you think that with all the commotion and drama that's going on, people will just take a black cup of coffee. But no, (laughs) these men are very, like two spoons of sugar and a little bit cream and a little water on top, like just (laughs) very um, specific. So we have to make sure everyone gets their coffee. And part of this tradition is that the men each pay for their coffee. So usually for every cup of coffee, you're getting anywhere from 100 to 500. And you thought your coffee shop got expensive. But Paulina said this is another tradition intended to give the newlyweds a financial head start. She said it was her favorite part of the whole wedding. And then came more partying. More singing, more dancing. They've been there a day or two before. So these people have been drinking for three, four days straight, from morning till night, with all of their family playing music, And they are very exhausted, but they're still drinking. And then day two begins to fade into day three. And so you still have to party hard on the third day. (laughs) It's tradition. (laughs) On the third day, they have one final rally. Everyone's crowded into the ballroom, and a cheer goes up as Paulina enters on the arm of her new father-in-law, John Paul. Draped around her neck is the gold coin necklace, and she's wearing a massive red dress fringed with feathers. The red dress is there to signify like that you've like had sex. So now, Paulina wears the red dress, along with a long headscarf, signifying that she's a married girl now. By the end of three days, Paulina was spent. I was so happy that the wedding was over because, you know, you just build up like all this anxiety and it was really painful. The crown that they put on me was Bobby's grandmother's that she wore. It was so, so heavy. Paulina said they had to pin the crown to her head. When they pulled it out, chunks of my hair came out and there was blood and the women were just like, that happens to everyone, don't worry about it. (laughs) Both of my dresses like scarred me And I was bruised by the end of it. Hundreds of people are pulling your hands. And I think I twisted my ankle. Like, it sounds like great and fun, but you're exhausted. You're beat up. I was 17. I was like 95 pounds. And 
it was really difficult. It was really fun. I felt like I had finally accomplished, I don't know, like making my parents happy. But then they got so emotional at the end. Because they all knew what would happen the next day. Paulina would move out. She would officially leave her family to go live with Bobby and his parents. Paulina was no longer her mom and dad's daughter. She was John, Paul, and Ruby's family now. It's pretty emotional because it's the last party day that you spend with your family. And it was scary because now I go home with his family. And even though Paulina had grown up with John, Paul, and Ruby, she had a feeling that something would be different. Because on the very first night of the wedding, just as Paulina and Bobby were about to load into the carriage on the way to Denny's, Ruby pulled her aside. And that night, my mother-in-law came and was like, listen, you know, I'm the boss of you now. Ruby has not confirmed this story, by the way. She wouldn't respond to my request for comment. But Paulina said she still remembers Ruby's tone. Very nonchalant. Like, okay, just so you know, now, like, now I'm your boss, so you have to do what I say. And she used the word gazda. So in our language, that means landlord. It means like I'm like the landlord over you. Like owner, I guess, you know. But I do remember thinking, that's weird. Like, she never said that to me before. Paulina hadn't internalized that a marriage to Bobby was a marriage to her in-laws. Moving in with them, working with them. This is what she had been told to expect. But in practice, and slowly over time, it wasn't what she'd imagined for herself at all. You know, it's not about how the past was bad. It's just about how sour everything turned. Stay tuned next week to find out what the future holds on Foretold. This episode was created and hosted by me, Faith Pinu, with... Asala Sanapur, Senior Producer. Alex Higgins, Producer. Lauren Rabb, Assistant Editor. Avery Truffleman, Editor. Sue Horton, Editor. Jasmine Aguilera, Editor, Executive Producer. Hiba Alarbani, Executive Producer. Dr. Ethel Brooks, Romani Cultural Consultant. Mike Heflin, Audio Engineer. Vadim Kolpakov, Seven-String Guitarist and Composer. Alex PGSV, Composer. Fact-checking on this episode was done by Helen Lee, Lauren Rabb, Asala Sanapur, and myself. Our theme music was composed by Vadim Kolpakov and Alex PGSV. Other original scoring is by Vadim Kolpakov, Alex PGSV, as well as Alex Higgins. Thanks to Shawnee Hilton and Kevin Merida. Thank you also to our marketing and creative services team, Brandon Sides, Dylan Harris, Carrie Shemansky, and Kayla Bell, and to Scott Wilson for his research from the LA Times Library Desk. And thank you for listening.